0: go what is up happy tuesday welcome back to football life presents the audible i'm your host randy hammond alongside my co-host matt bushnell and a special guest today first matt i'm gonna ask you how's it going my
1: friend it's going it's going well like i didn't even notice a six game losing streak all i know right now is the chicago bears are one and (laughs) oh goat bisky had a (laughs) fabulous game on sunday i'm doing great the sun is shining it's cold here still, but I'm ready to go, man.
0: Uh, you know, Matt's in a good mood. I love to see that And For those who are watching the show, you can see him, but we have a new guest, part of our, uh, a new member of our podcast Life Group Umbrella, Corey Richmond, host of the Work Shoot Podcast, now on Wrestling Life. Corey, thanks for joining the Audible. How are you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you. And uh, my partner, Jason Brooks, wasn't able to join us today, big Packers fan, but uh, he also says thank you f- uh, for letting us join your your Facebook group uh, will really great to uh, be able to replace the pod jobbers who are taking a little bit of a break at the moment, but uh, more than happy to join you guys today.
0: Yeah, so, Matt, you know, we talked about that announcement coming off. We wanted to announce a little housekeeping off the top here before we get into the football here. Uh, The Pod Jobbers is taking a little bit more than just a hiatus. It looks like they are seizing all operations, which is why WorkShoot, we're so happy to partner with you to provide some more content over in Wrestling Life. You guys do a great job if you haven't got the chance to check those guys out do so, man. I mean, it's getting to Royal Rumble season. It's getting to WrestleMania season after that. It's going to be an exciting time for wrestling. So if you're not into it now, go over there and get into it because you guys do a good job and we're happy to have you.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for, like I said, thank you for the warm welcome. And uh, at some point, if you guys want to join us, uh, I had the chance of being on with Sean and Felipe and I've known Henry for quite a long time. And uh, Henry's asked in the chat, I could see how many of these sweaters do you own, Randy? That is a great question to start off today um
0: let's just say I, I do have one for every day of the week so i think i have about seven of them um my my wife my future wife works in retail every time she sees one that she thinks i might like she kind of just grabs one and then i wear it and um you know i um you know I, I, my birthday's around christmas time i like the holiday season i like to get spread the cheer so I, i'm gonna rock it for as long as uh, as long as i can here you only get a few weeks to wear these and it's appropriate so uh cut me some slack there i hope you guys like uh like my attire for the few weeks over here Anyway, hold we
1: addressed my sweaters. We... Okay, on. Matt, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, I I have to ask Corey. So so this is always important to me because I know we kind of talked about wrestling and this was not pre-planned. The best wrestler of all time, in my opinion, the Undertaker. Yes. Where do you guys rank him all time?
2: Are oh, we talking about as overall or in ring? I mean, as as just as an overall performer, you know, he's. As a big man, he's most of the top five all time. As an in-ring performer, he's middle of the pack. I mean, as an act, you know, it's a very good inspirational act that changed the business, but, you know, he's very good for what he was.
1: Yeah, it's kind of leading character as, as far as a wrestling character goes. You know, with the business is like, has that larger than life feel to it a little bit of a carnival taste to it but very entertaining i always thought you know it was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up and i was amazed as a kid to see a guy that was impervious to pain and look like that so and i felt like my childhood died when he officially called it quits as far as character goes it's hard to have a better
0: character right and and you you get lucky with the guy who can play that character so well like you could have asked you know Kane who's a great character in his own right to play the Undertaker and he would not have been as successful so they hit the jackpot with the pairing of the guy and the character um not at the greatest wrestler ever but you know he's 6'10 uh 380 pounds you know a uh, hell of an athlete for that size and one of the all-time greats definitely top 10 ever as far as character goes he might be number one It's it's hard to really have an overall number one. I think. I think you have to put them in categories, especially in the wrestling world, when it's performance meets athleticism meets uh, competition. So, as far as kayfabe goes, like Henry says in the comments, he's the goat there. He never broke kayfabe until now, so and I give him a ton of credit for that. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh,
2: thing, I, not not to go crazy with this. I know we got a lot of football to talk about, and, yeah. but yeah. I would say though, like like a lot of guys over time, he stayed he stayed around way too long uh, and. <laughs> you everyone has their peak and his peak was you know during those you know mid mostly it was around you know like a Wrestlemania 28 or 20 you know those late 20s WrestleManias and he stayed around for an extra you know seven WrestleManias and I really do think his legacy for a lot of people including myself was tarnished by staying around for so much longer where yeah I mean his cinematic match at the end was entertaining for a lot of people but by the end Seeing him in those last, you know, couple matches with Brock and different people, you're just like, it just hurts to watch one of these all-time great performers reduced to somebody who looks like he was in pain and not playing a character that was supposed to be in pain because he's playing the Undertaker, but just an old guy who was out there, you know, who didn't really need to be. It just hurts his legacy.
1: Yeah, it should have been after that Triple H, the second Triple H match, it should have been over. He should have hung it up. That would have been perfect. The perfect ending for him, I felt, so...
0: Even if he doesn't end, end it there with the Hell in a Cell match at 28, you could have ended it when he lost the streak. You could have lost it when he lost to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. As Felipe points out, we did a podcast on that way back when, about the first time that he so-called retired. And yet three years later, we're still talking about uh, Mark Calloway uh, in the, on the football show of all things. So, uh, all right, let's get back on the uh, let's get on the rails here. We get back on the rails. We never really started on the rails. Uh, but Corey, we have you on here off the top because your Cleveland Browns were in potentially the game of the year on Monday Night Football against the hated rival Baltimore Ravens, who got a huge win to keep their playoff chances alive. They're 8-5 and five now, 47-42, to 42, and this is why I hate my work schedule, because I miss games like this, and this game was absolutely awesome. I got to watch it afterwards this morning. Corey, I'll get your first initial thoughts as a Browns fan. What did you think? I know you got down, you came back, you end up having the heartbreak at the end here, but you have to be happy with how your
2: Browns have played so far this year. uh God, you know what? It- Sure. You're happy on how they played. It's one of those losses that you're going to sit back going were there good moments, Sure. But when you lose a game like that on special teams, Parkey, you know, of course you four points, which mostly should have never been in there in the first place. Yeah. Never learned, huh? 15, 15 <laughs> men on the field, which, you know, you only way it gets called is by, you know, a challenge. You're sitting there going, what, what are you doing? This is basically every single game this season, you have an intentionally grounding call by Baker Mayfield I mean of course when you lose that type of game you look at all the negatives and that's how every fan is I understand you know Matt being a, a Bears fan I'm sure that even when you guys win you sit there and going Trubisky could have done this everything else you know why did we not take you know this guy this guy or that guy named Mahomes or this or that so I, I understand and and watching the graphic on that game which you guys talked about last week you know I even looked out for it It's sore, you know that graphic on you know not taking Mahomes or other guys but um was it a really good game? You know, in two or three days, I'll be able to say that. Right now, I look at drop passes, and I look at a lot of other things that went wrong in this game. I look at the, the disaster of this game. This should have been a win. Baker played his heart out. The defense looked like trash at points. I mean, the idea that this game, we came back, is only because, you know, Smith and Peters, you know, got hurt. I know I'm rambling a lot, so, and uh, but I mean, I I want to say that, you know, Baker played great right after interception. But if Peters and and Smith weren't hurt, I don't know if we come back and make it that close.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are all great points. When you lose a game, you typically look at all the things that went into that loss. You don't look at all the the positive things that happened. And it did feel like a game that the Browns kind of beat themselves a little bit. And Matt, you're all too familiar with the Cody Parkey experiment here. Uh, What did you make of the Browns? Um, Part of it's like, yeah, the Browns have had a great year and they took the Ravens toe to toe. But you also want the Browns to beat the Ravens and Steelers to show that they are really legit here. And then they could make a run in the playoffs. Um, On top of Parkey, what else did you see from the Browns that, you know, makes you not believe in them too much?
1: I don't think there's anything that I don't believe in them. I think their issues are curable in a lot of ways. Look, you don't want to lose to the Ravens twice. That's not a good look. And you still got to beat the Steelers. So in order to move in that next tier, you know, you got to win these games. But it's still such a young team. You know, I feel like. The defensive secondary, Denzel Ward, I-, I love him, but it feels like you have to add complementary pieces to that secondary, I'm not in love with that. And-, and then the linebacking crew, outside of Miles Garrett, I-, I think that area, especially inside linebackers, have to get improved drastically in order to stop a lot of the run. L- Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson. So we have to take a look at the games where Lamar Jackson didn't succeed well. The Browns kind of had the right formula, you know? They went up 7 nothing. And when you're up seven, nothing, you wanna make them throw the football. Defensively, you cannot let the Ravens march down the field and get a touchdown. That part is going to kill you. You need to get up by two scores on this team in a hurry, make them one dimensional. Lamar Jackson has a difficult time throwing. I mean, just we, we can look at the numbers right now for Jackson 11 of 17, 163 yards and a touchdown. They are not going to let him throw the football if they can avoid it at all. The Ravens do not want to get in that kind of game. So, what happens, you know, you want to get up by the points, but Lamar Jackson, nine carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. And this is where that inside linebacker speed matters so much. Having a guy that can shadow Jackson. Miles Garrett is fantastic. I don't worry about his side of the football. But when he flushes Jackson out to that opposite side, you got to have either contain there or you got to be able to spy him. And if you don't have the speed at the inside linebacker position, you get nine carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, Lamar, I think, had his best game of the year, really. And it wasn't even with his arm, but with his legs. Um, and Lamar, and I, I can't believe we're going to talk about this, but we I guess we had no choice. We could not avoid this. It's all over the comment section already. Um, <laughs> but my least favorite athlete of all time uh, is Paul Pierce of the Boston Celtics. And when he played my Lakers in the 2008 NBA Finals, he got carted off of the, the court because of what he called cramps. Uh, later it came out that he just really really needed to go take a dump and uh, in this game Lamar Jackson leaves. Uh, they call it cramps. If you saw the video of him going into the locker room, he does this little this little strut, this little uh, scuttle and we're all too familiar with that feeling. I cannot believe I'm talking about this. I'm so sorry to any future player um, but <laughs> Lamar disputes the claim that he uh, had to just go to the bathroom and he has the IV shot or at least he has the wrap of what looks like an IV shot. Corey I'll start with you. Do you even care about this? What did you think when Lamar left the game was when the game turned for the Browns. So, you know, did you think it was something
2: minor or what? Uh, I thought it was mostly something minor, but uh, one of the things that you were saying a second ago, I'm just going to go back here. One of the things that this defense for the Browns has to do is learn that if Miles Garrett is not in the game, you have to play the same way as when he's in the game. And I'm talking about one player here, Olivia Vernon plays two different ways. It's as if he, when and you know this as a Giants fan, Randy, uh, when yeah. Olivia Vernon is there by himself, he plays like he was still with the Giants. When Miles Garrett is there, he plays like he needs some. He doesn't exist. He forgets how to play football. Yeah. He's got to be able to go and be the same player when he was on the Giants when Miles Garrett is in the game. Because when the two of them are there playing as if Olivia Vernon is the all-star that he was with the Giants, this team can go and have pressure in the front that can could have won this game. But the other point that you said, the secondary, the secondary for the, uh, and I understand that what you're saying was funny, but the, uh, I'm just, you know, the heat of the moment of just, and, and this Go is,
0: ahead, Henry,
2: but when I was leaving uh, my job last night, the first thing I see Henry do is change the, the picture on the front of the uh, of the football life page of a picture of uh, Lamar Jackson. My, my head almost exploded of him, like, <laughs> you know, celebrating coming off the field. My, I, like I said, my head almost exploded. But um, the idea that, you know, we've lost uh, Grady Williams, we've, uh, we've lost Delphi, who I don't think he's even played, he you know, even play this year. Denzel Ward didn't play this game. The secondary is disaster. I mean, so yes, losing Odell Beckham is a, a major problem. People can argue back and forth if the team's better with or without him. I think that when you lose an all pro player, it, it hurts no matter what. As a, as a team played better without him, sure, they've won games. But when you have an all-pro player who might be a diva who decides he wants to propose and, you know, pretend he's a dog on this – and do all these ridiculous things, is he's still getting double-teamed. He gets people open. So he still is a factor in these games. And you know what? Yes. Do we need to pay these guys so much money so you could spend – you're paying more on a swingman, Chris Hubbard – and I'm, I and I'm going off on a tangent. I apologize spending more money on a swingman, on the offensive line, Chris Hubbard, it's like $7 million and you're paying anybody else in that secondary, not name Denzel Ward and Denzel Ward was the fourth pick in the draft. So he deserves every cent he get. And I'm going to find it really interesting. To see if they pick up the fifth year option, like they're going to do with, you know, Baker, and that's a whole nother thing. If you know, he's a franchise quarterback where Cleveland Twitter is going crazy with, you know, he had a great game yesterday and they're all going, you know, franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback, franchise quarterback win the godforsaken game and stop doing these stupid goddamn, you know, commercials. Yeah. When you're winning, the commercials don't seem as annoying. But if I have to see one more damn commercial after a loss with him, you know, with my wife forgot, you know, something, so I now I have to go and do this and that. I'm like, I don't care about these damn commercials. Win games. And if I have to agree with, you know, something like Colin Coward said, you know, on a three-second clip, you know, on Twitter, my head might explode again. So, But I'm sorry, I don't know if I answered your question. I might be slightly a, a little annoyed by the loss
0: you uh I mean you went on a quite the Browns rant there which is much more football uh information than uh we we appreciate that again compared to my question because I just wanted to talk about Lamar's potential number two situation <laughs> <Not enough. laughs> um but you know I do want to address the Odell thing I talked about this pre-show I was going to talk about it eventually this narrative that the Browns are better without Odell is is strictly that it is a narrative um do the Browns need Odell Beckham Jr.? No. I don't think any team needs uh, truly a receiver like that. I think the Browns are built to win because of their running game and their offensive line and their defense. Um, is Odell is a luxury for a team like the Browns who are ready to win now, and Odell makes them better by being on the field. As you said, he gets double teamed. He opens up Jarvis Landry. He opens up Kareem Hunt. He opens up the tight ends. Do they need him? No. Are they better with him? Absolutely. So this idea that the Browns are better without him, not buying it enough. I know it's Giants fans who hate him. It's just not true. Matt, going back to the serious topic at hand here, we've all been there in a moment's notice where you get that feeling. (laughs) What did you think of Lamar? Did he actually have a cramp or was it the number two? Oh,
1: man, it was the number two. No, No doubt it was the number two. So a couple of things here. Number one, you never want to play a football game on an empty stomach. But just because you don't want to play a game on an empty stomach doesn't mean you go eat Mexican food and get all the hot <laughs> sauce you can possibly get before the game. Now, I don't know what Lamar ate. And I get it. So, so when you got to go, you got to go. But, man, take care of your business at halftime. You know, <laughs> don't wait to that. But chicken and broccoli, uh, you may have to go later on at a big football game. Yeah. Uh, but. I there's something that Corey touched on that I want to talk about. And let's talk about Baker Mayfield a little bit, because we talked about Lamar Jackson. This was his best game. We know what Lamar Jackson is. I think there are so many questions out there. They're still not answered yet as to what Baker Mayfield is. We saw him with OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Um, He's got Austin Hooper now, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. It seems like all the weapons are there for a quarterback to thrive in. And we kind of gave him a mulligan last year, I feel, because of how awful Freddie Kitchens was truly as a head coach, just losing control. So now let's take a look what Stefan what the coach of the year still, in my opinion, Stefanski is doing with Baker Mayfield and the Browns offense. We're seeing double tight end sets, we're seeing run formations, we're seeing play action, and we're seeing I it's not a game manager, in my opinion, when you see Baker Mayfield. You don't put up 28 of 47 for 343 and two touchdowns as a game manager. My issue with Baker is, and we always kind of look at the last 15 minutes and the first 15 minutes of the game to judge, you know, the really great players. And, and Baker shows up for the most part. Every time I see him towards the end of the game, he's usually pretty spot on. But what really hurts a team during the game is those, you know, that third and four when you overthrow your tight end or that second and seven when you have a wide-open guy running across a slant and instead you throw it on the out route where the guy may be double teamed. You know, it's those misreads that set you back. This is year four for Baker. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's year three. I apologize. So I'm thinking of Mitch year four, but, yeah, Um, no, year three for Baker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, Goat Biskey looked okay yesterday and we'll get we'll get to that. But um you know, I feel like Baker's serviceable in the right situation. Am I going to go off and pay the guy 33 35 million dollars a year to be my quarterback No. I I feel like he's in that Dak Prescott class, really good. Really good, but so many things around him have to be perfect that if they're not you're not going to see him, you know, be able to jump to that next level. So I just kind of feel like I need to see Baker manage the whole game. And this is what Mahomes doesn't get a lot of credit for. And I know I give Mahomes a verbal blow job every episode, but, you know, what he does from down to down, it's, you know, so precise. So the little things like not, Granted, he took a 30-yard sack yesterday or Sunday, so we'll get to that too. But when he moves and just dumps off the ball, like he knows it's going to be incomplete, he doesn't care, that's what makes him good is knowing I can get a third and 10 rather than a third and 17, and he's not worried about that completion. So, you know, Deshaun Watson, even to the same extent, but Deshaun Watson holds onto the ball too long. Sam Darnold's a train wreck in New York. And then we take a look. I mean, Lamar Jackson drafted in the same class as Baker Mayfield. We can say his throwing is is still an issue. So Baker's probably the best thrower out of that quarterback class outside of Josh Allen. Obviously, Josh Allen's the best quarterback of that class. Henry, shut up. I don't want to hear anything. But, um, (laughs) sorry, who's the best quarterback out of that class? Josh Allen. Okay.
0: I, I'll, th- I'll say this about baker though uh the big thing is you, you have to cut down on the turnovers um you, you know i think stefanski is really helping develop baker as you get along here freddie kitchens did not do a good job obviously with anything last year so this year you're seeing now the browns are getting comfortable uh letting the run game kind of carry them coming off like getting play action passes getting baker to throw on the run he's very accurate on the run uh and just getting him if you can just you know, reduce the overthrows a tiny bit, which will reduce the turnovers a bunch. Um, Then I think Baker will be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL for a long time to me the turnovers are still an issue he got lucky with a cream hunt uh bobble in the end zone that that landed in a higgins hands for a touchdown um to me baker still has some errant throws here and there but um i'm not overly worried about him i think he's fun to watch i do think he needs a little bit of a uh, calming down a tiny bit but at the end of the day i don't mind people having personalities um you uh, know if you playing in the nfl I, I would be super confident too so um cory baker mayfield assessment what do you got
2: I, I think you got to pick up the fourth-year option. On, I'm sorry, the fifth-year option on him. Um, do I think he's a franchise quarterback? I want to say yes, but I'm still – maybe it's just the Browns, you know, negativity that comes into every fan who's ever rooted for this franchise who, you know, had a root for, you know, the Dallas Cowboys one day in their life against their will to see, you know, Bernie Kosar win a Super Bowl, you know, which – still gives me nightmares. The fact I've done that (laughs) 30 for even saying that out loud. Uh, But um, I think he's done a really good job this year. I don't, I mean, every stat you can make look like something else, you know, every time you look, like I said before, on ground Twitter, all these things, they compare all these like passer ratings to all these great other quarterbacks. He's not on the level on all these other quarterbacks. They try to compare him to through, you know, this many games and fourth quarter comebacks and this and that he's a good quarterback. Is he bottom third in the league where people try to make him out to be at times? Is he top third in the league? No, he's a mid-level quarterback. you got the right we- weapons around him, but you know what, just like you were about to say, can you pay this guy $33 million, which other quarterbacks get once you have to go and extend the contract? Is it going to grip my teeth? But it, you mostly have to do it, but you have to win in the next, most likely two and a half, you know, next two years because then you have to start paying other people. Yeah. The major problem is, and like I said, I, it's not an original idea on my part and hates having to agree with Colin Cowherd, who I think is a you know is a moron for most things he says. The idea of the fact is they spent a ton of money on this offensive line because they didn't have to pay yep. pay him. They haven't paid Nick, you know, Nick Chubb yet. He's gonna to have to come up in a couple of years. You have to make up that, you know, you never want to have to pay a running back, you have to make that decision. You don't have to pay Denzel yet. You just gave Hooper all this money when you have two two, uh, two tight ends that are pretty darn good at some point you have to pay a lot of these guys and your window going to close. So Baker's going to have to do something in the next two years before you have to pay him. And all these guys are going to be, have to make a ton of money. So I don't know if he's the guy, but you know, you're not bad enough to get, you know, Lawrence and you're not, who else is out there? Well, so, you, I mean, you
0: have time. I don't think you have to think about that quarterback situation anytime, like for, for a few years. So. A few years, you got Yeah. Uh, he's in year three. So you got next year. If you pick up the fifth year option, obviously at the year after that. Um, but before we look too far ahead here, I want to talk about these two teams here. And we have to obviously talk about the rest of the games. But while we still have you, Corey, Browns 9-4, okay. and four, Ravens 8-5, Steelers are 11-2. and two. You know, all three of these teams looking like they're going to make the playoffs here. Uh, okay. Of all the three teams, I mean, do you have that a lot of faith in the Browns? Can they make a run? Or is it basically still the Steelers are the only team that has a chance at the Chiefs?
2: Are you saying making the playoffs or doing something? In the I, I'm speaking okay. on the assumption that they all make the playoffs. I maybe it's just Browns, you know, just she's sitting there going, "Oh my God, worst thing could ever happen." But I mean, you got to think that everyone's going to beat the Jets this year, so that's ten wins. Yeah, I'm I, not think, I do
0: think you beat the Giants on Sunday, but you know, I you think that's I think that's really a close up
2: game because I think the Giants aren't terrible. I mean, I don't know how much yeah, that Pittsburgh's going to mean. Does ten get you definitely in? I mean, I think you need to. I think you definitely I think need to win the Giants game to get up to eleven. So ten, I feel. Iffy about making in. I think you need to win. I think you need to win two out of three to to make the playoffs to be feel confident. I mean, I think most people think we'll be the five seed and face Tennessee in that first round. We beat Tennessee once. Do you stop? Do you stop? You know, Henry two times in a row. I don't know if that's possible. You know, AJ Brown's really good. Davis, I think, would play better the second time around. That defense, I think, you destroyed him the first time, but can you do that twice? I mean, this team could they make a run in the playoffs? If they make it sure but i don't think they they beat pittsburgh or the bill i don't, I don't know how good the the bills played great this past weekend but yeah. i don't know if they're truly good enough to beat the bills pittsburgh or kansas city in a game that truly matters so i mean I, could they win a playoff game that's shocking to say you know as a browns fan they win a playoff game but <laughs> if you win one game sure but i don't see them winning anything more than that no
0: I think you have to prove you can beat the Steelers, too, for people to start really believing in you. And I, I totally understand that, too. I think that you really have to get over that hump at some point. Uh, but I think the Browns are built for the playoffs with the running game and the defensive uh, pressure you can get on teams. Uh,
2: cool. Go well, ahead. i to interrupt you. There's one thing, and I do apologize. The one thing you get to remember this: in the playoffs, most teams, not in Kansas City, do not score 40 or 50 points in the playoffs. Defense is a difference maker. Yes, yeah, you can run the ball. But you, if you can't score, if you cannot defend, you're dead. And the Browns in that secondary with all of these injuries, and yes, you might get Denzel Ward back, and there's a 50 50 chance that with this nerve damage that Grady Williams has, you might get him back, and that gives you maybe a little bit of a lift. But if you can't stop people in the, that back seven, you're a dead man walking. And the Browns could run the ball. Maybe Baker doesn't make mistakes. You're not doing shootouts unless you're Kansas City in the playoffs. Yeah.
0: Uh, Matt, what about you? How confident are you in all of these, uh, especially these two teams in the playoffs coming up? Uh,
1: Well, let me go on the Ravens first. I hate the Ravens in the playoffs. I, I think there are so many teams that can expose them for what they are, which is a run dominant team and a team like the Colts, who has superb linebacker speed, can make hell for Lamar Jackson it's the Steelers if, if the Steelers get the Ravens the, the, the Ravens are done so it really is so matchup dependent in that first round for the Ravens now the Browns R- really the Browns are a tale of two teams and I like Corey said if they get that secondary back And if Olivia Vernon can find that next gear where he needs to play at, this is an extremely dangerous team in the playoffs to play in that first round. No team's beating the Chiefs uh, unless something disastrous happens. It's really the Chiefs this year in a different class because I always reference gears. You know, the, the Browns, I feel like I have an extra gear they can go into. If everybody's healthy, they have OBJ back. This team can score, you know, 40 points a game uh, pretty consistently, I feel like, if they have to. But, you know, on the flip side, if their defense isn't playing good, they may give up 40 as well because they do have to get that dual pressure on the quarterback from both sides. Um You know, I think for the Browns, it's matchup dependent. I like the Tennessee matchup a lot. I think they match up pretty well with Tennessee. To me, I I wouldn't be worried about Pittsburgh as much because I think we're seeing Pittsburgh come down from such – one, it was a soft schedule to begin with, and then they just went through hell. And when you had your bye week in week three, and then – was it week three or week four? Too early. Yeah, Yeah, week four. And now you just went through hell with so many games and sh- such a short amount of days. And now we're seeing them beat up. Ben Roethlisberger looks like shit now. There are so many things to dislike about the Steelers right now that they are going into the playoffs. And this is the one team that needed that first round bye. And you lost two games. I don't know if Kansas City's going to lose another game. But if you get a Brown Steelers matchup in the first week of the playoffs, that is extremely dangerous territory for the Steelers.
0: Yeah, I want to see the Browns beat them at some point here to truly believe it because the the, the, Brown, remember, like the Browns beat the Steelers with Mason Rudolph last year, but I want to see them get over that Big Ben uh, Mountain here in the playoffs. But um, all right, so that's one of the games of the year. Corey, we wanted to have you on for that and to plug your podcast. So before we say goodbye, why don't
2: you give us one more podcast plug? Absolutely. Thank you very much as always. Uh, and of course, you know, Check, check out, uh, I guess, the newer video version of the uh, Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with myself, Jason Brooks. Myself, Jason Brooks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, Corey Richmond with my co-host, uh, Jason Brooks. Uh, we will be on 7 p.m. Thursdays, um, hopefully every Thursday, um, talking about the disaster known as Monday Night Raw <laughs> and the much better... Wednesday Night Wars, of AW and NXT, we talk ROH, MLW, we'll talk, you know, try to go and look at the chat as much as possible, we have been an audio podcast on and off for the last six years, so uh, I'm sure there'll be quite a few uh, follies of me not looking at the camera, and Jay uh, saying, Corey, look at the goddamn camera, so... uh, (laughs) You know, we'll try to get as involved with everyone in the chat. Like I said before, if you guys have things you want to bring up during the week, you know, I'm sure you can bring up uh, on the Wrestling Life uh, forum and we'll try to go and discuss. But uh, like I said, we are a, uh, try to be, you know, thinking man's podcast, looking at the uh, the good, the bad, and sometimes the ridiculous. But, you know, unlike, and I'll make this short, unlike the pod jobbers, we talk a little less WWE and a little bit more of the other federations out there. And okay. as we get close, like you said, to the rumble, we'll be talking about wrestle kingdom and a lot of the other events, but as always check out all the other podcasts and rate, subscribe everywhere. You listen to a podcast to uh, the step back with, uh, with Jacob, listen to Henry, Don city, of course, listen to Matthew and uh, Randy here and all the other podcasts as I, you know, try to stay in the good graces so Henry doesn't cancel us before we even start. And
0: of course, we appreciate that, Corey. Uh, We appreciate that. Before, before you go, uh, I'm a big, I'm I'm typically a WWE market, although I've given AEW a few chances. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance now, put your, put put it on the line here for our Um, listeners to get them to come listen to you over in wrestling life. Royal rumble over a month away. Who's taking it home? Who's going to be the number one contender at WrestleMania?
2: Who should be or who's going to be? Who is it going to be? I'm going to go out on the limb here. I'm going to say Biggie. I love it. That would be awesome.
0: All right. Darrell Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view of the year, so I always get really excited for it. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little kid at heart. I always love the, the over-the-top uh, battle royal style match. All right, Corey, uh, do you have any parting words for everyone? Because uh, we got the rest of the slate to talk about here, and uh, we just wanted to say thank you so much
2: for joining us today. Absolutely. Like I said, uh, check out all of the other podcasts on uh, – the life, uh, life group that uh, we're very proud to be part of. Uh, I would say for the uh, Fringe Wrestling fans, this weekend, ROH Ring of Honor has a pay-per-view called uh, Final Battle. It's gotten a little bit screwed up due to COVID, but it looks to be a really good show. I would check that out. And uh, once again, check us out every Thursday at seven o'clock for the audio version. And uh, now, of course, the video version with you guys on the Facebook group. We will be on and uh, give us a chance and we'll, like I said, hope to have uh, Matt, Randy, Felipe, and everyone else at some point on the show to uh, give their takes. And uh, hopefully the Browns don't screw this up. Go 0-3 and, you know, don't <laughs> miss the playoffs and get the Jets their only win. And, uh, of course, the Jet fans like, you know, Jacob, uh, Trevor, or Lawrence. <laughs>
0: I don't think you have anything to worry about there, but Corey, this has been a pleasure to talk to you for this. We want to have you get on again in the future to talk to maybe a Browns potential playoff matchup in the near future here. Uh, We'll have to see how that shakes out. And I definitely want to hop on the work shoot and talk some wrestling with you uh, in the near future as well. So Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It's it's been a pleasure. Yep. Thanks Corey. Thank you guys. All right, Matt, moving on now. Corey is so gracious with his time here. Uh, Let's get into the other Primetime game of the week, the Sunday night football game, the Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, as Chris Berman once said, several sorry, once said several times said, uh, they take it to the Steelers. Steelers about to go up into halftime seven to three before Ben rothersberger throws a back breaking pick six at right before half. And then Josh Allen, uh Decided that him and Stephon Diggs were just going to win this game on their own. Allen, 24-43, 238 yards, two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. And the Steelers, after starting 11-0, 11-0 have now two straight losses. Matt, question is, what's wrong with the Steelers?
1: We saw this coming. Uh, yeah. To me, it's not a surprise that they lost this game. One is attrition, and with attrition comes injuries. And when your entire linebacking core is completely decimated, I I mean, they got guys that most big time colleges wouldn't throw out there. You're hurting. And I don't think their defensive secondary is healthy. I don't think Hayden's healthy. I don't think Fitzpatrick's fully healthy and Bud Dupree has gone for rest of the year. So now you have to do some soul searching. Your two most important defensive players in your front seven, Bud Dupree and Devin Bush, both out your schedule has gotten harder this is who they are in my opinion right now your rinky dink short pass offense has been exposed for what it is uh, James is not that good of a running back I mean let's just throw it out there you thought that life without Le'Veon Bell was going to be so much brighter and that James Conner could do all these things and it came back and it bit you in the ass because you're not so at the end of the day the Steelers are on a downward trajectory towards being one and done in the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt with the defense being hurt. So that's, you can pin that on that, but it's new quarterback and new running back time in Pittsburgh after this year. I think that's the one thing that this has confirmed. I think the offensive
0: line has a lot to do with that. Their offensive lines banked up kind of a patchwork situation there. Um, But I think what you said earlier is a lot to do with this. The sailors haven't had a bye week since week four. They've had a weird schedule with, um, you know, having to play a game on Wednesday and then again on Monday. And I'm not blaming the schedule for it, but I just think they've had a unique circumstance to lead them to this point. I think they're a tired football team that um, has the injuries are starting to catch up to them and big Ben. An old guy here, <laughs> not not to be understated, like he's probably a little hurt. He always is a guy who plays through injuries, missed all of last year. Uh, and now he's in a stretch where he's going to end up playing 14, 15 consecutive games. And then they beat themselves. Uh, Deontay Johnson has the drop seeds. The guy drops a few passes every game. Eric Ebron, same thing. I mean, these guys, they're not making plays for Ben either. Um, but I always say this. I don't care who your running back is. I care a lot if you can run the ball. The Steelers, 17 for 47 on the ground, not going to get the job done, period. I don't care. Even if you have the Bills, they only had 104 yards rushing, but it's enough. It's enough of a threat to keep the defense honest. The Steelers offer no threat on the ground, and I think that's a big reason why that they're struggling so bad. And I I just want to have this Josh Allen conversation with you because we've been critical of Josh Allen. You, as just- especially have been very critical of Josh Allen and I, I have like he's gotten so much better this year the, the, the difference is so clear to me um, he still makes some huge mistakes he still has turnover problems but to me everyone wants to say he's the MVP and everything but to me the MVP Stefan Diggs because every time you need a play or you you need someone to look to Stephon Diggs is that difference maker for Josh Allen this year and it has been huge for his development in 2020.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to judge a quarterback just because, you know, a talented wide receiver, you know, falls to him. I mean, it's fair. It it is more than fair to say that Stefan Diggs makes Josh Allen a better quarterback. We know who Stephon Diggs is. He is a great wide receiver. I, you know, personally I thought the bills got the better end of the trade by only giving up one first round pick for him. Yeah. I I thought that was egregious on that part. And, you know, outside of the Hopkins trade, it might've been the, Worst wide receiver trade I've seen in a while. But here's my thoughts on Josh Allen. It's pretty much this in a nutshell. You don't know what exactly you're going to get from week to week. And it really depends on the defense that he plays. He played a a Pittsburgh defense that has been decimated by injuries. Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, you know, those are huge injuries to begin with. So now we start taking a look at Josh Allen picking on teams. And I'll say this. When Josh Allen rolls to the right, he might be the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he is deadly running to the right. You, you have no shot if you let him get outside that pocket because then you got to suck up on the run because the cat can run. I'm not going to take that away from him. And he has a cannon for a right arm. It, it is unbelievable how the throwing power of which he can muster So my issue is just, like, you you keep him in the pocket, he's an average NFL quarterback. He's just okay. And that doesn't scare me enough. I I think against the good teams, we saw it against Kansas City. You know, he he was awful against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs didn't do anything complicated. They kept him in the pocket, and then they shoved the ball down Buffalo's defense's throat. So, to me, it's ridiculous that he's in the top five of MVP talks. He's just not there, in my opinion.
0: I think he's had a lot of brutal games this year but he's also shown me that he's taking strides as well and I think a lot of that has to do with Stefan Diggs that's my only thing is like I don't know if we'd be talking about the development of Josh Allen if they didn't have a stud into Stefan Diggs for him to continuously use a security blanket so um, yeah the Bills now are uh, 10-3 and and the Steelers are 11-2 and that's pretty impressive congrats to the Western New York uh, fans of the Bills Uh, I will say this Josh Allen won me over with one thing and I don't know if you saw this clip but uh, Juju Smith Schuster and Clay, uh, Chase Claypool are, millenn- are are Gen Zers, right? They're, they're not even millennials. Like they're very young kids, basically playing in the NFL. So they do these TikTok dances before every game, and Juju went on the, the the Buffalo Bills logo and they're dancing and they're posting it. And Josh Allen said, "Let them do the talking, let them do the dancing, and we're gonna do the work." You won me over as soon as you said that. And I guarantee if you're on the bills and your, your quarterback says that you're fired up and you just want to smack the shit out of the Steelers at that point. Cause that's what I would want to do. Like you're not going to come up and dance ahead of our game and disrespect us like that. So I respect him for that. And I respect the bills for coming out and just saying, no, that's not how that's not going to fly here. So, all right. That is the primetime games. I mean, I think that Monday night game, the game last night it might have been the game of the year. So uh, we had a great, great game there. But we have the rest of the slate to talk about. Matt, you have a, an exciting one, all right? Off the bat here, all things great back in Chicagoland now, right?
1: Oh, oh yeah, man, oh yeah, the Chicago Bears. So, all right, here we go. Chicago won thirty-six to seven. Let's take, let's just get that out of the way right now. There are serious warts on this football team still. You beat up a shitty-ass Houston Texans defense that had no business being on the field. Holy hell. We take a look at Mitch Trubisky. Um, I, I don't even know where to go from here. 24, 33, 267 yards, three touchdowns. I am going to give Mitch credit. When you have an offense that fits Mitch Trubisky, he's a good quarterback like a lot of people will shit on the kid. First of all, my biggest gripe was with Nagy having this whole idea of a system that he was going to run. And Nagy wants to have, you know, all those drop back in the pocket type precision, pick them apart West coast offense. But when you roll Trubisky out, he's a hell of an athlete and he can throw the football accurately. For some odd reason, he cannot process information. He is football stupid, like we talked about before. So if you run combo routes to one side of the field, and you're like, hey, Mitch, throw it to A or B. That's all you have to do. A or B, that's all we want you to look at. Good. Yay, Mitch. Yay. You better have a strong running game, because if you don't, you know it's going to be trouble. And here's my issue with Matt Nagy. David Montgomery had one carry... First play of the game, first carry, 80 yards. Randy, do you want to guess, in a 36-7 blowout, how many carries David Montgomery had?
0: I did not look this up, so I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say 12. 11. Oh, man.
1: He had 10 fucking carries the rest (laughs) of the game. I'm sitting there thinking, what the fuck is wrong with this team? Like, they're stupid. Bill Lazor, as Felipe is talking about, the difference maker for Trubisky. Like, all this shit, it's still shit. You, you know, you beat a shitty... or You put up 30 points on a shitty Lions defense. You put up 36 points on a shitty Houston Texans defense. And you're still doing the same trends that made you lose those six games. You have to run the football. If Mitch is thrown 33 times against a good defense, you're losing that game. I guarantee it. And it's the same bullshit that I get tired of hearing from, like... You know, it's great. Let's put on the rosy colored glasses. Deshaun Watson's a one man gang. And here's where I'll stick up for the Bears. We always talk about you have to get the franchise quarterback. You have to get the franchise quarterback. They got the franchise quarterback and the franchise left tackle. The Houston Texans still suck. It takes a team. It's an organizational effort to incubate a quarterback and make him good.
0: I think the Texans are a unique spot where they totally botched everything else you possibly could botch around getting the franchise quarterback and including and in getting the left tackle. You gave up two years worth of draft picks and you traded, uh, you know, one of the two best receivers in the entire NFL. That doesn't help your franchise quarterback. So I think the Texans are a unique case study when it comes to how to draft a franchise quarterback and absolutely botch it from top to bottom, uh, which is why, you know, Bill O'Brien doesn't have a job anymore, but uh, yeah. Good for your bears. Mitch Trubisky, how, higher winning percentage in his career than deshaun watson does so did the bears even make the wrong pick
1: well yes they did (laughs) let's not confuse it well first of all the the bears made the wrong pick numerous mark Trussman, and this is an organizational failure when you have to hire outsourcing because your top guy that's making these hires doesn't know shit about football Ted Phillips, you end up with Mark Tressman and Phil Emery. You end up with John Fox and Ryan Pace, who Ryan Uh Pace didn't even get to pick his first head coach. And now since you've seen the offense put up points the last three weeks against the Packers, garbage time, Lions, and now the Texans, you're going to have fans thinking, you know what? Maybe we bring all three of these guys back. Pace, Nagy, Trubisky, one more for the road, baby. No, all three of them need to fucking go. Let's get rid of that dream. Start from scratch. I don't want to see this.
0: Sets up a basically a season on the line game between you and the Vikings this upcoming week. Uh, question from Felipe before we move on: uh, Is Akeem Nix healthy? Yes or no? No. Okay. Uh, all right. The six and seven Chicago Bears still alive in the hunt in that little graphic. You gotta want you always want your team to be in that little hunt graphic at least uh, during this time of year. Uh, <laughs> no, I know you don't. All right, speaking of in the hunt, uh, the once NFC East leading New York football giants no longer uh, a brutal, I mean, absolutely brutal week for the giants. Uh, when it comes to where you stood coming in and where you stand coming out, and how the teams around you did. Uh, basically, the giants were eight, <laughs> five and seven leading the NFC East, at least not sole possession, but tied with the, the Washington football team. Although they have the tiebreaker, uh, not only were the they they lost this week to the Cardinals twenty six to seven. Every other team in the NFCs won, so you're looking at a potential first place finish in the NFCs to now potentially a last place finish in the NFCs if things broke poorly here. Uh, but this game was ugly from the very beginning. Uh, you could see when the when the Cardinals kicked the ball off in the first first quarter, Daniel Jones took the field. He looked like me trying to run. Uh, I'm not a very good runner. I'm not a very graceful runner these days, so it's not a good sign when he's hopping out of the field like that. Uh, and it showed he was only 11 of 21, 127 yards, sacked eight times, five of those times by uh, Hassan Reddick, <laughs> uh, who was a former first-round pick, I believe, of the Steelers? maybe not of the Steelers, uh, but oh, nonetheless. Was he the Cardinals? Okay. He had five sacks. Looked like Lawrence Taylor out there. Uh, And he's, you know, a a good player. I don't think he's a great player, but the Giants certainly made him look uh, incredible. Bad game for the offensive line. This is the second worst loss of the year for the Giants, especially coming off of that winning streak. Uh, And Kyler Murray, he looked – Kind of back to himself a little bit here. He was running, making plays with his legs. I uh, still didn't look 100, percent but he still hit me, he looked better than he had in the last previous weeks. I don't know if that has something to do with the Giants' defense just being on the field legitimately in the entire game. But uh, Kyler, 24, 35, 244 yards and a touchdown, and on the ground 13 to 47. And the only touchdown he threw kind of just chucked it up to Dan Arnold to catch in the back of the end zone. Um, you know this game was strictly basically on the on the on the Cardinals front and the Giants offense just being absolutely terrible. Uh, you're seeing all these stories now that the Giants have the second worst offense in the league, the, only to the Jets, and they're really not that much better than the Jets. So, despite how good the defense played against Seattle and how good they played recently, uh, they are not good enough to overcome how bad this offense is. Uh, they got Wayne Goldman going a little too little too late uh, in the second half. He had 12 for 57. Dion Lewis, he had a rushing touchdown, but he had a brutal fumble on special teams. I don't know what the Bengals did, but a couple weeks ago, the Bengals had a kick return for a touchdown, and they kind of exposed something about the Giants special teams because ever since then, the Giants special teams has played very poorly, uh, which is Joe Judge's uh, you know specialty. He came over as a special teams coach. It kind of uh some costs were concern there so i'm worried about the giants going forward they had three turnovers in this game they had five fumbles as a as a total here um you know, the offense is, you know, not very good. The defense um, played fine, all things considered. But when you're on the field the whole game, it's hard to be able to hold a team like the Cardinals, who have good offensive players, to nothing. So you lose this game 26-7. to You have the Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys coming up. I can totally see this team losing out, especially if Daniel Jones is still banged up because he looked terrible. He he had, no, he had no mobility, and that's why this whole game even happened. The Cardinals recognized he could not scramble, could not use his legs. So they pinned their ears back and just said, we're going to blitz this guy. And the a guy that they traded to the Cardinals earlier this year, Marcus Golden set the tone that he had a strip sack on Jones early on the game. And he returned it all the way back to like the six, the giants get a stop. But at the end of the day, um, the giants were pinned all the way back to the end zone. And it was just more of the same. The giants could not move the ball. And Jones could not move, did not look very good. So. You know, I'm 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 worried about the Giants moving forward. They're five and eight now. I can totally see them losing out here. I don't really like how I felt about this game coming in because I was very confident of this team coming in. So the Jones injury is very apparent and they have some other issues they have to overcome and not really sure how this season's gonna end, but I don't feel great about it moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jones did not look healthy and you made Hassan Reddick look like a Hall of Fame LT. player. He looked like LT. <laughs> yeah, and he's looked garbage most of his career. So, yeah. congratulations, Giants offensive line. You are who we thought you were. Um. Anyway, here Thanks. we go.
0: It's great time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Giants. Good yay. Time. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. I'll focus on the fantasy impacts. We had Dallas. 30 over cincinnati seven i totally missed this game i thought it was going to be 10 to 7 cincinnati i'm man enough to admit when i was wrong i did pick the bears to win by the way any hooser um the (laughs) cowboys basically get performances out of andy dalton of 16 for 23 185 yards two touchdowns some fantasy points not a whole lot zeke really not much of a factor this game 12 for 48 no touchdowns Uh, our friend Felipe Melicio will take kind of this Amari Cooper four catches for 51 yards and a touchdown CeeDee Lamb blanks two for 46 no touchdowns Dalton Schultz whoever has him as a tight end three for 34 Uh, Bengals really no one owns Brandon Allen no one owns Travion Williams so let's just go to AJ Green six receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown and that's it Cincinnati lost three fumbles and that's pretty much the story of the game. That's how you lose 30 to 7 to Andy Dalton.
0: Andy Dalton revenge game. Looking good. Uh, Shout-outs to me for starting the Cowboys defense in one of my playoff matchups. All right. <laughs> Moving on to a game that I thought would be pretty entertaining, and it kind of was, although the Panthers made this game interesting in the fourth quarter uh what some would call garbage time. The Broncos winning 32-27 to in Charlotte, North Carolina. And this was the game we wanted to see uh, from Drew Locke, and we got it. Uh, Drew Locke, 21-27, 280 yards, four touchdowns, completing passes to nine different receivers. I mean, this was a, a hell of a game from Drew. Drew. Drew Locke, this was a a Pat Shermer game, if I've ever seen one. And Vic Fangio's defense did a great job of uh, kind of letting this lead uh, grow as the game went on here. Um, So, I mean, we've talked about how the Broncos are frisky. They're probably the first, like, they're one of the friskiest five and eight teams I've ever seen. Uh, You got to imagine if Drew Locke was the quarterback playing this well all year, we might be talking about the Broncos being interesting in that playoff picture, but uh, you can't really change that. The Panthers obviously are rebuilding. They're 4-9. They just, they didn't come to play in this game, point blank, period. I mean, they, the defense didn't really do anything to, to prevent Drew Locke from kind of doing what he wanted to here. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater ends up with a nice stat line, but again, a lot of that stuff's garbage time. 30-40, 283 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, ran the ball okay. Mike Davis, 11-51, two touchdowns, but, you know, no CMC here. They just came out flat, and I'm kind of surprised because the Panthers were a team that I expected to come out and actually compete, and this is probably one of the first games I look at that Rule and say, hey, you didn't get your team out here ready to go, and I'm kind of disappointed because uh, I expected that more from them, especially at home, uh, and noted that this this was a uh, Super Bowl rematch from five years ago, and uh, not too many players on the, on the team anymore for either side, so 5-8 uh, and Benavra Broncos getting the win over the 4-9 Carolina Panthers.
1: Well, you know, I I know we talked about the Browns and the Ravens being the game of the year. The Chiefs and Dolphins didn't disappoint. I I came away from this game, Randy, very impressed with that Miami defense. They are a hell of a bunch of players. Miami is going to be a problem for somebody in the playoffs. They hold the great, the king, the king of the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, to 393 yards I know it's a lot of yards but they picked him off not one not two but three times this was the first time Patrick Mahomes threw multiple interceptions in a game since the Super Bowl wow so he does not throw interceptions very often so we see 25- you could have told
0: me that was the first time in his career and I would have believed you <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, it's I believe it's his only second three interception game of his entire career so I'm surprised he's even had one Yeah, he is unreal. But when you watch this game, I want to talk about the other quarterback on the other side, Tua. And Tua's stats don't look that awe-inspiring. 28 of 48 for 316 yards and two touchdowns, one pick. If he had a Stephon Diggs, Tua would be unbelievable. Miami's got their quarterback right. They're going to get Houston's top 10 pick. Miami's going to be loaded. And this is the Bills one year, I believe, because they got the tight end in Mike Gusecki. That kid is unreal on what he can do on the football field. They also probably need a running back. But Tua also adds a rushing touchdown. The Chiefs get big contributions from the best fantasy wide receiver slash tight end in the entire league, Travis Kelsey. He has more fantasy points than the top wide receivers One in doubt, draft Travis Kelsey first in your draft. Eight receptions, 136 yards and one touchdown. Randy, a little factoid, I believe Kelsey is 50 yards shy of breaking the all-time single-season receiving mark for a tight end. Jeez. So we'll be looking forward to that. It will be broken versus the Saints, I predict. Tyree Kill, three catches, 79 yards and a touchdown. And... Felipe saying Trubisky had zero interceptions. Trubisky greater than Mahomes. Get the fuck out of here. No one is doing crack on this show. Oh man. Yeah, but anyway, the Chiefs are going. You know, twelve and one. Dolphins are eight and five. The playoffs are heating up. The Chiefs look like they're on that quest for the number one seed, and I think they'll get it. Impressive performance from Tua without Devontae
0: Parker or Paris Campbell. I mean, he has some weapons that were hurt in that game. And, yeah, they need need a running back. I suggest, yeah, they have two first-rounders here. Why don't you send one of them to the Giants? You take Saquon Barkley, and we'll just take one of your first-rounders, and then we're all happy.
1: (laughs) No, as you say, running backs you can find.
0: Just give us the second one. We don't want the first one. Give us that 20s pick. And uh, you can have Saquon Barkley. And imagine 2-0 with Saquon. Come on.
1: Maybe. I don't know.
0: (laughs) That's my trade proposal for for the Dolphins. All right. Uh, Moving on to another game in uh, Florida. Which what uh, was that game in Florida with the yeah Miami was home right yep. uh, all right another game in Florida the Tampa Bay Bucks beating the Minnesota Vikings twenty six to fourteen and uh, I know everyone wanted the Bucks to just fade into darkness here but it doesn't look like that's going to happen although they didn't look great in this game but they still got the win uh, Brady I expected honestly him to look better but fifteen to twenty three one hundred ninety six yards two touchdowns. Uh, They ran the ball okay. Ronald Jones, 18 for 80. Leonard Fournette, a healthy scratch in this game. So it looks like they're moving on from him altogether. Uh, Brady always just spreads the ball around really well. Threw a beautiful pass to Scotty Miller, 48 yard touchdown. Gronk found the end zone as well. Excuse me. Um, but you know the game the story of this game uh, was the Vikings beating themselves in uh, no shock any uh, fashion there you know Kirk cousins 24 37 225 in a touchdown dalvin cook 22 for 102 in a touchdown you'd say all right those are decent numbers I'll take that but you know what exists in the NFL Matt you probably know this more than anyone kickers exist in the NFL and Dan Bailey decided to go 0 for three for field goals and zero for one at extra points And if you do that math, that is 10 points left off on the field. And you lose by 12. That obviously makes a huge difference. Uh, Thanks for coming, Dan Bailey. I cannot believe he hasn't been cut because I believe he missed two kicks in the previous game here. Uh, You look, you miss four kicks, you're going to lose, period. Uh, We talked about how kickers aren't real people. You know, Dan Bailey, you're going to have to get out of our lives at this point. Although you probably want them to keep Dan Bailey for at least another week against the Bears. But uh, Vikings six and seven now. Bucks eight and five. Could teams. Uh, both of these teams still could be playoff teams, but the Bucks looking more likely
1: than the Vikings at this point. Moving from a team that is playoff fringy in Minnesota and a team that's going to go with Tampa Bay, the Tennessee Titans are basically locking up their playoff push. <sighs> Thirty-one to ten over the. 0 and 11, Jacksonville. Oh, I'm sorry, 0 and 12. The Jaguars have lost 12 in a row. It's almost hard to keep count. They're, they did, They're not 0 12. I know, but I'm. Let me finish here.
0: What are you going to get it out here, Matt?
1: <laughs> if somehow the Colts didn't lose that first game to this garbage-ass team, yeah. we could have two 0 and 16 teams, which Incredible. is very viable. Oh, holy shit. But here we go. Um, Tennessee 31 over Jacksonville's 10. Tractor Cito season is in full effect. 26 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns, 8.3 yards per carry. And if you, ladies and gentlemen, have not seen the A.J. Brown touchdown catch, please go look that up. He caught that damn thing one-handed, made it look so routine. Seven catches, 112 yards with that touchdown. Uh, Jeff Swaim, three catches for 34 yards and a touchdown. Jacksonville, Felipe, I kind of feel like your James Robinson just hype train just ran into a brick wall. 12 carries for 67 yards, no touchdowns, and four receptions for 16 yards, no touchdowns. None. Zilch. Gardner Minshew makes his glorious return, 18 of 31 for 178 yards. For one touchdown, Mike Giraffe-Glennon went 13 of 23 for 85 yards and a pick. Tennessee will be going to the playoffs. Jacksonville is going to be watching at home. And who knows? They may end up with Josh Fields. You
0: mean you mean they're not going to make the playoffs? Are you sure?
1: No, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to be leasing their stadium out to AEW as soon as they can.
0: Okay. Well, Justin Fields looking at, uh, the Jacksonville Jags. Uh, and I wanted to actually ask you a question about AJ Brown. we talk about DK Metcalf being comparable to TO? I saw an AJ Brown comparison to TO and I kind of like it. Cause he also reminds me of Terrell Owens a bunch.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, to, to me, that feels like a little bit further of a stretch. Um, DK has the speed. I I haven't seen AJ Brown go full speed. And TO was fast. I don't want to take yeah. anything away. TO had speed on him. So, he definitely did. Uh, yeah, I I don't hate the comparison. I just got to see AJ Brown run full speed.
0: Yeah, I always thought AJ kind of reminded me of like a Julio, but maybe a little bit thicker of a Julio. Maybe, Julio was very fast in his own right too. Uh, so I don't think he's as fast, but definitely kind of has the same build as Julio to me.
1: And maybe an AJ Green type. Yeah. All right moving on now
0: we're not gonna talk too much about this one uh, but it is the Seattle Seahawks getting a bounce back when uh, playing the other team from New Jersey in the Jets uh, this game uh, finished 40 to 3. Uh, not not a, not a great performance by the Jets. Uh, Jacob, feel free to look away. But although I'm not going to spend too much time here, Russell Wilson trying to pad some stats to get back in the MVP combo. But sorry, my friend, no one's going to forget that Giants game. Uh, 21 to 27 for four touchdowns, uh, one pick, uh, 206 yards, and we have got a Geno Smith revenge game sighting. He went four for five for 33 yards. They bench Russ in the third quarter. After already being up thirty-seven to three, uh, Darnold, you know, it feels like the last days of the Sam Darnold era, and it, for the Jets, fourteen to twenty-six, one hundred and thirty-two yards. Just you're, you're playing a team without a great defense. I think that most people are looking for more from you at that point. Uh, the Jets just there's not a whole lot of good to talk about here. You lose forty to three. I don't know what to say. They they're just kind of an embarrassment. Uh, Frank Gore. But any time to hang it up, you lost a fumble in this game. The Jets have some young players that are kind of dumb still. You know, bless Austin had a play where he got called for a personal foul late, and he taunted someone on the sideline after being down 35. Like, I gotta have a personal pride in what you put on the on the. You still have to put on good tape, but you know, maybe be aware of the situation. But uh, this was all Seattle. They had uh, 174 yards rushing as a team. Chris Carson 12 for 76. Carlos Hyde 15 to 66. Uh, Seattle needed this game. They they needed a get right game for sure. And they got it, forty to three over the Jets, uh, nine and four now, and it sets up uh, a good chance for them to win the division, but definitely a playoff spot for the Seahawks.
1: You know, the more I watch Sam Darnold, Randy, I'm starting to buy the fact that he's broken beyond repair. He's seeing things that are not out there. Mentally, he's he's broken, and I don't think there's any coming back from that. He's a bust at this point. Uh, Jets fans can spin it however they want. Um, anybody can spin it however they want Colin Cowherd can spin it however he wants <laughs> you know, USC quarterbacks are notoriously for never living up to their potential in the NFL and I just got a feeling if you're banking on some Sam Darnold coming to your team and fixing things I got a feeling you're going to be massively disappointed
0: Yep, I will say this before you move on though Matt, Jacob you have one thing to look forward to and that's Trevor Lawrence so brighter, brighter days ahead for you my friend
1: Moving on to a team that is also nine and four, and a team that was seven and five, but now they're seven and six, the Indianapolis Colts and Old Man Rivers, nineteen of twenty-eight, two hundred and forty-four yards, two touchdowns, and the Jonathan Taylor had his breakout game. I feel like twenty carries, one hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns, and Paul Gunther. It was nice knowing you. You are the scapegoat for the Raiders' free fall. He has been fired. Rod Marinelli is the Raiders' new defensive coordinator. In reality, maybe they should get a new quarterback, too. Derek Carr, 31 of 45, 316 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I just feel like John Gruden wants to go over there and just kill Derek Carr. Like, just watching (laughs) Chucky's face, when he threw that second interception, Gruden looked so pissed. I thought Derek Carr was going to be on the back of a milk carton today. (laughs) But Nelson Aguilar, five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Darren Waller, seven catches for 75 yards. Foster Moreau, one reception for 47 yards and a touchdown. Not a whole lot from the Raiders this game. Like I said, Rivers played good. Jonathan Taylor played good. T.Y. Hilton, five catches, 86 yards, and two touchdowns. Indianapolis Colts to the playoffs, baby. Nine and four.
0: The resurrection of T.Y. Hilton and the breakout out of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, It feels like John Gruden may have lost that team just a little bit. All right, moving on to a NFC North showdown. Sorry, Leon, we have to talk about this, of course. The Green Bay Packers getting a win 31-24 and sealing up the division. They are your 2020 NFC North champions. And Aaron Rodgers is an MVP frontrunner. If you are a fan of the Bears, Lions, or Vikings, you kind of have to hate uh, this season (laughs) in that aspect Uh, because Aaron Rodgers having a bounce back gear of all bounce back gears. They're 26 of 33, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Basically, uh, I don't want to say flawless, but a pretty impressive performance from Rodgers. And the and the Packers get the job done on the ground too. They're very balanced offense. Aaron Jones 15 for 69, uh Jamal Williams 10 of 38. And Rodgers adding six for 13 and a touchdown in his own. So uh Rogers also completing the ball to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers. Uh, he's one of the best at that he's, he's so good. And DeMonte Adams leads that charge for seven for 115 and a touchdown. Uh, I think it's between him and DeAndre Hopkins as the best receivers in the NFL. And he keeps setting records and for, for the Packers and the NFL records, honestly. So uh, DeMonte Adams is very good. The Lions. You know, Stafford got hurt in this game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But 24-34, 244 yards and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, 7-24. Look, the Lions either to run the ball a little bit better here. Uh, you kind of let Stafford out there to dry a few times. Stafford looked uh, pretty banged up towards the end. So, you know, the competitive game for Detroit, all things considered, because this could have been an easily a blowout. But 5-8 uh, and eight now for the Lions. I think it's time to start packing Leon so much for your top 10 offense, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the Packers 10 to three and uh, now are the one seed in the NFC on top of being the NFC North champions. So if teams have to go through Lambeau, I got, am not going to lie. If they have them by two, I don't think there's a better team that could represent the NFC than the Packers. Uh, I would love to see Mah- Mahomes versus Rogers, the top two MVP candidates go against each other in February. That would be awesome.
1: We're going to see State Farm commercials on loop if that happens, Randy. (laughs) I just want you to know that. And I'm going to hold you personally responsible for that bullshit. I have no connection to any of that, so
0: (laughs) I will refuse responsibility there.
1: Oh, God. All right. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers, yes, great. Yeah, Packers. Woo, go (laughs) oh Fucking Packers. But I do want to give a shout out to Ricky... Ricky Velasquez, he knows what's up. The Grammy-nominated vocals did make an appearance. So all of you who didn't know, we are Grammy-nominated. <laughs> uh, moving on, Randy, to the... <sighs> The Los Angeles Chargers versus the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what team wanted to win this game. Like, if you watch this game, it was really hard to tell. Nobody does. <laughs> yeah, no, the Chargers like, oh, we don't want it? No, the Falcons were like, no, you can have it. No, I don't want it. No one wanted this game. Anthony Lynn tried to botch it. Matt Ryan was like, no, I want this team to get my replacement. Matt Ryan, 21 of 32, 224 yards, a touchdown, and three god-awful interceptions. The best quarterback on the field this day was Russell Gage, one for one, 39 yards and a touchdown. Um, Ito Smith, 11 carries, 42 yards. This team does not like running the football. They don't run the football very well. Calvin Ridley, superstar in the making, eight receptions, 124 yards and a touchdown, Russell Gage adds to his passing touchdown with five receptions and 82 yards, no touchdowns. Todd Gurley's in the, in the witness protection program. Six carries, 19 yards with two receptions for 12 yards. Just an awful game. Justin Herbert, 36 of 44. This kid can throw it, but 44 times is too much for my liking. 243 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. You have Austin Eckler. He only had 15 carries for 79 yards, no touchdowns. He did have nine receptions for 67 yards. I think you got to run the ball more. Uh, big mistake in coaching here. Tyron Johnson, six catches, 55 yards, a touchdown. Keenan Allen, nine receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. His average yards per catch is probably garbage. He runs the best routes in the NFL. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Hunter Henry, six catches for 41 yards. And really this game was just a shit show of bad football overall. And really, I didn't find a whole lot of enjoyment out of it. They're both four and nine now. Chargers move up in the well fall back in the draft a little. Just really a garbage game.
0: Two things about that game. On consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan threw absolutely god-awful interceptions, two of the worst picks you'll ever see. And before halftime. Anthony Lynn. The the whole the announcers are talking about how Anthony Lynn took over special teams duties after they got rid of their special teams coach. And they get down to like the six yard line. They don't have any timeouts. There's like 17 seconds. The refs say that they're short of the first down. They get off the field, and Anthony Lynn just doesn't know what to do. And he has half of his offense on the field, half of his kicking unit on the field, and they all just stand there as the clock expires, and then. Badgley tries to kick the field goal after the clock expires. And the look on Anthony Lynn's face just looks like a man who was defeated by the clock and by his own thoughts. Someone <laughs> did not want to be there at that moment in time. So uh, Anthony Lynn, you got to go, my friend. That was embarrassing. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that clip, go check it out. I, I posted it in the group on Sunday when it happened. So yeah, just it wanted awesome. to throw that out there. The Chargers, uh, you need to get Justin Herbert a little bit more out of that. All right. Moving on to the now first place Washington football team. And before I talk about this game, I want to just take you back to 2019. Uh, no pandemic, no masks. Everything's all great, hunky-dory. Uh, one day, uh, one year ago today, I should say, Eli Manning played his last career game as a Giant. Why is that relevant, Oh, you ask? They beat the Miami Dolphins that day 36-20. to 20. That led to Daniel Jones starting the last two games of the year. One of those two games meant beating the Washington football team, alas giving them the number two overall pick and the Giants the number four overall pick. Well why is that important? Because Chase Young uh, is one of the best football players I've, uh, I've seen as a rookie in a long time. He is insane. Uh, he made one of the more ridiculous plays you'll ever see from a defensive end in this game, uh, in a 2013-15 victory. Uh, Chase Young sacks Nick Mullins, gets up, scoops <laughs> the, the the ball, takes the ball as he's about to get hit, just palms the ball like you would see, you know, Will Chamberlain palm a basketball. Stiff arms the guy behind him and just takes off for the end zone. It was terrifying. Uh, Chase Young is a beast. Uh, I just I just wish he was a giant. I wish they didn't win that game and I wish the Giants drafted him instead. That's all I all I can say. It's just it's hard to look at it and be like, oh, the Giants go to Andrew Thomas. I don't care. He's never gonna be as good as Chase Young. I know Chase Young didn't play as well against the, the Giants. I don't care. They're in first place. If Ron Rivera didn't go for two at the end of one of those games, they beat the Giants. They're seven and six right now, and they have a commanding lead in the division. I just I love watching Chase Young play. I love watching this front play. And I'll say this one before you I let you speak. Uh Montez Sweat also on the the Washington football team. The Giants drafted Dexter Lawrence, who is one of six defensive tackles on the defensive line. Who's good, but they have six defensive tackles instead of drafting Montez Sweat. So the Giants easily could have had this front and drives me mad that they do not have this front
1: uh, and that Washington does Matt, You want to say something? Go ahead. Chase Young will be the best player from that draft, and it's not going to be relatively close. I know people love Joe Burrow. But the shit Chase Young puts on tape, he's gonna be better than Aaron Donald. Wow,
0: I mean, that's I, I don't even think it's an exaggeration. I, I just think he's so good. Like, I think he's like the, the second coming of Michael Strahan. Like, I just he's like such an insane physical freak, and uh, he impacts the game so many ways. Uh, but yeah, 23 to 15. Uh, the Niners looks like the Niners are calling it a season early here uh, after our praise of Kyle Shanahan um, you know, Nick Mullins is not the guy obviously, but a bright spot is Brandon Ayuk 10 of 10 for one nineteen. So uh, you got some players, you're going to get healthy next year and I have no doubt the Niners will be back uh, maybe with a different quarterback, uh, maybe not even Jimmy G maybe someone else, uh, but Alex Smith, eight of 19, 57 yards, zero touchdowns and a pick. He left this game, which we're going to talk about did not look too good. Dwayne Haskins is forced to come in 7-12, to 12, 51 yards. Also did not look too hot. Uh, quarterback situation is sticky for the Washington football team, but despite all of that, they still find a way to get the win. J.D. McKissick, 11 carry, 68 yards. Peyton Barber, 12 for 37. Uh, and receiving-wise, Logan Thomas, everyone loves Logan Thomas, 6 for 43. Uh, Terry McLaurin, quite game, 2 for 24. McKissick, 2 for 18. But uh, if I'm the Washington football team, I feel great about my defense. You need to shore up the secondary, and you need a quarterback, because Alex Smith obviously isn't the, the answer for the future, and neither is Dwayne Haskins, but you have the foundation in the form of a pass rush moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that football team going forward a lot. But, yeah, quarterback – would help them greatly moving on to i think the biggest letdown game of the week randy Uh were the new orleans saints putting up 21 points against the philadelphia eagles 24 i we didn't see it coming i don't think anyone else saw this coming the eagles were left for dead uh doug peterson was throwing darts through his eyes at uh carson wentz throughout the game so Philly moves to 4-8-1. and one. The Saints move to 10-3, and three, which is huge because they don't play too hot, you know, outside of that dome. And especially without any fans, it doesn't really matter. But going to Green Bay with Old Man Breeze is not going to be beneficial. Really, the story of this game, I think we have to discuss. It would be a miss not to is Jalen Hurts. He does enough. 17 of 30, 167 yards and a touchdown. He had 18 carries for 106 yards, which is a lot of carries for a quarterback. But they are imploring that they are applying that quarterback, you know, that spread offense, quarterback carry read option. Miles Sanders had a huge game, 14 for 115 yards and two touchdowns. And I want to talk about why this is significant. Everyone talks about how great the Saints defense has been, even number one in the league. We saw yeah. the Packers run all over them. Yeah. We saw the 49ers run on them. and now we have seen the Philadelphia Eagles run all over them. I am worried about this team coming playoff time. They might be one and done, Randy. just a hot take, but they have issues stopping the run. Um, I'm not a Saints believer, so I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is not looking good. Uh, Saints offensively, Taysom Hill looking like a quarterback. He looked like a quarterback, 28 of 38, 291 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Left a lot of plays out there, though. Those 10 incompletions were kind of huge. Missed some reads as well. Alvin Kamara, 11 carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown. I'm sorry, but Alvin Kamara only had seven receptions and 44 yards. Your best player touched the ball 18 times. That's inexcusable to me. Michael Thomas, eight catches, 84 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had three receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. Jared Cook, three for 37 and a touchdown. The Saints are trending in the wrong direction. This is not what you want to look like. I know they get Drew Brees back with no intact ribs. So it's going to be interesting against the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, uh, that's uh, the Saints. Obviously, uh, are a team that's had some heartbreaking playoff losses, and I just that's always just lingers in the back of my mind with them. And if they're not at home, I believe in them even less. So, and I want to say this about Jalen Hurts, um, and it's kind of an indictment on Carson Wentz because the I'm not a, I'm not too big on the uh, NFL advanced statistics, but they had I think either twelve or eighteen expected negative plays uh, based on. Uh, pass rush based on uh, how often the quarterback had to scramble basically what would have been negative plays with the other quarterback and instead there were, they gained 82 yards and had zero turnovers on those plays so that is a massive difference comparatively speaking to how the quarterback was playing previously so Jalen Hurts obviously giving them a boost uh, and not killing them But at the end of the day your quarterback can do a lot of things to hurt you or help you depending on his surroundings and despite the how bad the, the offensive line is and some other things, Jalen Hurts did things that benefited the rest of the team. So Carson Wentz, I don't know what they're going to do with that contract, but they have something to think about now.
1: Yeah, well, it's a $34 million cap hit, and the cap's going down by $22 million. He's going to be an eagle next year.
0: I, unless they eat a lot of that contract, I don't know who's going to take him on. Everyone loves to connect the Colts, but I don't even think Mark Rich wants anything to do with that. Uh, maybe the Niners. I don't know if Shanahan wants to try to take on uh, a Carson Wentz problem or not. All right. So that's all the games. Finally got through all the games. Let's get through some news here. One of those being that Alex Smith news that I mentioned. He left the game because of tightness in his right leg. They said he was a – what do they say it was there was a calf strain, and he basically had tightness and muscle soreness, and the same leg that he had all those surgeries on, and that he broke all the bones in. So there's an abundance of, abundance of caution, basically. And what is something to note is when they repaired his leg, they took some tissue from that um, calf muscle um, to put in other places. So it's. Uh, I I was reading something from a medical professional that that could have some lingering effects after that sort of issue. So this isn't like a shocking thing and they're not super uh, concerned. They're pretty optimistic. He will play, but you know, when you have an injury like Alex Smith's had, you kind of have to take all those precautions when this sort of thing happens. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't want him to further injure him and have a debilitating life after football, um, he's going to have horrific arthritis in that leg when he gets older. So I, I just think you play it safe. But, man, it, Washington, whoever comes out of that East division, it, it's going to be a little odd to see them. I, I mean, if, if Washington draws a team like the Bears, and you know, if the Bears somehow grab that wild card, um, I don't know. Man, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how that's going to shape up.
0: I think they would end up getting, you know, the Rams or Seattle. Uh, based on where it stands now, but, um, you know, they play Seattle this week and we'll see how they, they play against Russell Wilson. So uh, it would probably be at home, obviously, because if they're the wild card team, you know, they'd have to travel to Washington or Maryland. as I like to yeah. say, all right, other quarterback injury news, Matt Stafford left the game with a rib injury and, it, it's, and they said as rib cartilage. Um, and they are not optimistic about anything. And they did say the x-rays didn't reveal any breaks, but uh, they're not optimistic that he's going to play again this week.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's time to sit Stafford, improve your draft position. You're out of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, the ribs, you see with Breeze, uh, you know, they could have lingering effects as well. Just, you know, I would keep them out. Uh, all right, news came out today that the Tampa Buccaneers have placed basically their entire kicking unit on the COVID-19 reserve list. Uh, let's see, Ryan Suckup, the kicker, the punter Bradley Pinion, and long snapper Zach Triner are all on the COVID-19 list, which I don't know if any of them have tested positive, but at the very least, they have been exposed. Uh, this could be a nightmare situation in a game if you don't have these three positions that are way more important than people realize
1: yeah i mean i i refuse to look at kickers as humans so i i guess you know just go for two every time yeah i'm sure you can find someone to kick off antonio brown let him kick the football well i mean i don't care whatever you don't need to punt go for it on fourth down you got tom brady he doesn't want to punt anyway and who are they playing the falcons yeah they're gonna put up 40 on that garbage ass team the uh
0: the Brady used to do the pooch punts anyway maybe bring those back and just uh, let him kick it if he wants to
1: yeah there we go we 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 fixed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers issues Randy (laughs) job well done all
0: right well those guys could very well be reinstated
1: but right now that feels like
0: a problem to me all right Uh, a couple of Raiders nuggets here uh John Gruden firing defensive coordinator Paul Gunther after the 44 to 27 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Gunther was the handpicked choice of John Gruden when he got the job back in 2017. And I'll just give you some numbers on the Raiders defense as soon as I can uh, find them here. Roth. They're not very good. Uh, let's see.
1: Last year, 20- 20.
0: Yeah, 22nd in total defense, 20th in rush defense, 24 in pass defense, and last in sacks. They're giving up 30.1 points per game, uh, 29th in third down defense, and 48.3% uh, on a third down defense going into the game. Uh, obviously, huge issues defensively on that side of the ball. John Gruden loved this guy, but now Rod Marinelli takes over for Gunther. This is what I mean about, like, Gruden picked this guy and now he's like kind of passing all of the blame entirely on him. Uh, I still think the Raiders are half-talent on defense. So this obviously is not an ideal situation for them.
1: I mean, you're free falling from the playoffs. Your quarterback threw two disastrous interceptions. You know, you don't want to blame your offense because then you're blaming yourself, the $100 million man. So, I mean, yeah, Gunther, I feel like Paul Gunther has been fired from a lot of jobs. (laughs) I mean, it's not like he's been a great defensive coordinator in my mind. I may be thinking of someone else, but if I remember correctly, I think this dude's been fired three other times from a defensive coordinator position. Uh, Does he have dirt on people? Like, does he have some compromising photos? Does he have information on Bob Kraft going to more day massage spa places, (laughs) getting happy endings? I mean, I, I need more information.
0: He's becoming, uh, you know, he's almost as fired as many times as Greg Williams has been fired at this point. (laughs) I mean, he gave up over 30 points to the Jets. You're not doing a great job there. (laughs) Um, All right. Other Raiders news. This one's less serious, but it still just irks me as someone who is a fantasy football advocate. Josh Jacobs, the running back for the the – Vegas Raiders, I should say. I'll put a quarter in there because I almost said it. But um, he, t- he posted on his Instagram story before, about a couple hours before the game saying, sorry guys, I'm not playing today with three laughing emojis. And that refuted the report from... Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, you know, those NFL insiders that he was going to play. Um, And he was questionable all week. He missed the game last week with an ankle sprain and he was practiced all week and he was all systems go. And he and then tweeted a lot of hot fantasy owners uh, on another Instagram story after that, just kind of mocking people who play fantasy football here. Look, I know there are jerks who play fantasy football. I know there are people who will tweet at the players. They don't play well there are a lot of just normal people who will watch your game because they're interested and in see how well you do and a lot of times like especially the Raiders in the last most of my life or haven't been all that interesting uh last 18 years so maybe just like don't say anything if you don't like fantasy football why do you have to mock the owners like this I think that's bad karma and you know Josh Jacobs you yeah, had not like you've been that good this year anyway you, you've kind of been a disappointment considering where people drafted you so did you see the story what did you make of it?
1: I saw the story. Uh, you know, it's just an asshole being an asshole to a, a large degree. I mean, I, yeah. I'll, I'll defend the players because they take a lot of unnecessary shit from fantasy owners. They do. But you know, I mean, you're getting paid, and you're getting paid a lot of money. So, you know, you can always ignore things. You don't have to be on Twitter. You chose to be on Twitter. You made that choice. So, at, at the end of the day, it sucks, but deal with it. Don't be an asshat.
0: Yeah. And just to mock people like who invested in you or are super interested in your career feels like not a not a great uh, career choice for you. Uh, I know there are jerks. I'm not saying there's not because there totally is. But at the same time, a lot of us are just trying to make some money playing with something that makes our lives a little – more fun this year. Uh, all right, we're gonna do a quick Thursday night football preview here with those. Uh, those Jesus, I did it again. The the Vegas Raiders uh, welcoming in the Los Angeles Chargers. And my first question in the preview uh, that I wrote down here is why hasn't Anthony Lynn been fired?
1: Because I don't think it changes anything. You know, you're firing them at the end of the season, so just we'll, we'll let it play out. You know. I I don't think that this is a good uh, it's not going to turn out well for the Chargers because I really feel like Justin Herbert hit that rookie wall. Finally, Uh, things just aren't clicking. And you know, we, we know he's a bad coach. What do you gain by firing him now? Because one of his assistants will be taking over for the last three games. If you didn't fire him six weeks ago, what's the point of firing your head coach now?
0: I guess just to get ahead of the coaching search, I don't know if that's a thing that teams really do, but I guess you could start talking to guys. Maybe you're already talking to guys anyway. I don't know.
1: but Yeah, this, uh, yeah I'm going to say, Randy, I hate to cut you off. I do apologize. I'm such a jerk. Um, we know that there's back-channel conversations going on all the time within the NFL. Yeah. Like, people know. But I, I don't get the jump that you're going to have, because guess what? You have a franchise quarterback. Yeah. People see Justin Herbert. Yep. You're living in San Diego, fucking California. You're going to be paid millions of dollars. Sign me up for that job right now.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, guys are going to, you know, maybe even pass up on other jobs because you have a quarterback uh, that they feel that they could win with, and Justin Herbert. So, all right, uh, the Raiders are free falling kind of here. You know, we thought they were going to be a potential playoff team, and now uh, they are 7-6, and six, and in the AFC, it's not going to be, you know, great. You basically need to win out and go 10-6 and six for a chance here. So I've dubbed this officially a must-win for the Raiders. Matt, do you think, you know, you know, think the Chargers are, are primed to win this game, or do you think the Raiders are going to rise to the challenge?
1: I, I think the Raiders rise to the challenge. I, they have to win this game. If they have any hope, you know, any playoff aspirations, this is a must-win the Chargers are depleted. I don't like their defense. You have Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, Darren Waller, everything matches up to exploit this defense of the Chargers without Derwin James and and so many other pieces. If if they're not going to run Austin Eckler 20 times and get him, you know, eight to 10 receptions and, you know, throw, give Keenan Allen 14 targets. What's the point? It please, is.
0: please give Keenan out the 14 <laughs> targets.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we're honestly at this point. If you're not doing that, you're not going to beat this team. I mean, obviously, they're not going to get to Herbert. He's going to have time to throw the football. It just depends what you do with that. But I still think the Raiders are going to manhandle them on the running game.
2: Yeah. And then
1: they're really going to expose them on play action.
0: Yep, uh, I agree. I think the Raiders are going to win this game, but I, it's more about Anthony Lynn to me. If he's running your special teams while trying to be the head coach. It's just not a great setup for your team. Uh, Chargers. Maybe they're just trying to make up for how bad they've been with how great their uniforms are, because I think they have some of the best uniforms in the league, even those uh, navy blue ones that they wear. All right, let me get your official Thursday night football prediction here, Matt. Uh,
1: I'm going to go the Raiders 31, the Chargers 17. Okay. I'm going to go
0: Raiders 24, Chargers 20 uh, because division games are always close, and I think it'll be interesting to say the least. All right. Before we say goodbye, which we've had a long one today, Matt, but we got some wrestling talking there. We had a guest. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff on the show. So if you're still with us, thank you so much. But we have a quick fantasy playoff update after week one.
1: Yes, we do, Randy. And Felipe Melicio, growing the man is going against the number one seed, his own division leader, Chris Frederick, the Mafia. It is going to be a barn burner of epic proportions. The one seed versus, I believe, the five seed. And then it's all a problem. Your boy, me, I got the bye. And I'm about to eliminate Corey Decker's punk ass from this playoffs. (laughs) Corey, it was nice that you decided to join us for the playoffs in this fantasy league, but your stay is no longer welcome you're about to get out i'm going to show you the door get ready for this beat down and it's all the problem is waiting to claim its rightful championship so proud of
0: you here, Matt, uh, that you're you're bringing it home for the Audible. You know, we're supposed to be the experts here. Let's, let's show that we're the experts. Uh, <laughs> but in my league, uh, the 10-team league that I, I'm running here for us in the Audible, we have four playoff teams, and there are two-week playoffs for each round. So, you know, let's just look at the score so far for the first week of the two. Uh, we have unbearable Ricky Velasquez uh, up 130 to 113 over Brett Sanchez. Uh, and then we have – Tim Missinio down 141 to 90 to Mac attack. So, I mean, he has some work to do as the two seeds to come back on that. So Ricky, you know, he's been a one seed all year long. He's been 10 and three. He's been one of the best teams in our whole league. And it looks like he's going to, you know, have a real good chance to make the finals in our 10 team league. So that's where we stand up now, but they, like I said, it's two weeks. So even if you're losing, you have a chance to come back the following week. Maybe your players have better matchups. Uh, maybe you, you can get some, some a little bit more luck. You have a little bit more breathing room.
1: I'm rooting but, uh, for
0: Ricky. Go Ricky. Whip some <laughs> ass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm just going to remain unbiased in my rooting interest. I'm just going to report the facts because that's what I do. I'm a journalist, damn it. Uh, but we've had plenty of plugs of all of our podcasts under the Life Group umbrella. Matt, why don't you tell us about them one last time?
1: Okay. Um Wednesday, I think it's still up in the air. I haven't seen any confirmation from our good friends, Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. If they're going to go this Wednesday, I think they're leaning towards not. They may be the hardest working podcast outside of the audible because let's face it two times a week. It's a hell of a task, but those guys are awesome. They do a great job. The NBA season starting these guys deserve a break. So Wednesday night, if they're on, they'll be on at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If not, you know what? Catch them the following week, breaking down NBA action. Then on Thursday, the Work Shoot podcast, Corey Richmond, Jason Brooks. It is going to be an excellent podcast. I can't wait to see its debut in the life groups. And then Friday, Randy, the award-winning, the Grammy-nominated, the Oscar-nominated, the emmy nominated Jeez. the daytime emmy nominated so many the lies being spewed right audible now. <laughs> the audible will be back on friday and we are hoping for a noon eastern start time schedules vary meetings pop up unfortunately i have a work life that i have to where it has to have a priority and i'm sorry ladies and gentlemen but as soon as we start making money, I will quit my day job and I will give you all the football facts along with Randy, who will quit his day job too. And, well, Jake, you
0: know, you gotta, you're what kind of money are we talking about here? Because it's going to take quite a bit. <laughs> Matt, what happened to your audio, man? Did you mute yourself in that short amount of time?
1: I think I did, man. I'm talking on mute now. I'm so what excited. The hell? What the uh, hell? I'm just thinking, hey, just give me a dollar
0: yeah okay all right well yeah so jacob and leon i was gonna say jacob and leon next week for jacob and leon that's two days before christmas day and start of the nfl uh the nba season uh looking forward to that as well so check those guys out next wednesday uh matt i just want to point out before friday because um i don't know if you're familiar with the term but i live in upstate new york are you familiar with the term nor'easter
1: yeah i i very am familiar with the
0: term nor'easter I don't ever want to hear you complain about the cold when I'm about to have two feet of snow uh, I'm hitting me uh, t- tomorrow night into Thursday morning. So uh, next time you complain about snow, just don't.
1: See, here's the thing. You're a masochist, Randy. You choose to live in this sort of weather. <laughs> like who makes this type of decision? You're an adult man. You and your lovely fiance need to get with it. Florida's beautiful. You can live next to Dong City, Vince, Vince Mercandetti. I mean, he he always says Florida's nice. Phoenix is beautiful. It is a little chilly, though. It, it, it got it got down to 43 degrees last night. I was cold, Randy. I was oh, cold. I was born into this. Okay,
0: it's not a choice. It was something that was forced upon me. Um, I cannot leave. No, I'm kidding. I can leave. But for now, it's, it's where I am, and we're going to get a bunch of snow, and it's not going to be that fun.
1: Yeah, be safe. Uh,
0: All right, yeah, Jacob, prepare for it. I hope you got your boots and your your snow shovel ready because it's going to be a mess. All right, thank you guys so much for joining us. We went long today, but it was fun. Uh, Thank you, Corey Richmond, for joining us off the top. It was a lot of fun talking Browns with you. We'll have you again on in the future. For all of you who watch us live on Facebook, thank you so much. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. All the audio platforms, don't forget, we're talking, uh, um, not Stitcher, but we're talking Apple, we're talking uh, Anchor and Spotify. Thank you guys all so much for the support, no matter where or how you are listening. We greatly appreciate it. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying we'll see you guys on Friday.